0: This is a great Sunday to show up. I think the first Sunday of a brand new series is always kind of a jump start for some people. Like, I've always wondered, like, what does preaching in series do for the average person? Like, if they come and it's like, oh gosh, he's gonna be on week three, did I miss something? Maybe I won't come till he starts a new one or whatever. You can actually jump in at any time, but I think when you're here for the first time, it may motivate you to say, hey, I'd like to be here for the whole run. This is gonna be a five-week series and it's going to take us really close to Easter. You're going to want to be a part of Easter. So basically you don't get to miss church again until June. So I want you to just, you know, settle in, know that's your seat. We're glad you're here. We'll have plenty of coffee for you and uh, and we want you to come back. We also want you to bring friends. This series is called Tactics for Tough Times and I don't think I have to convince anybody here that times are tough. I mean, you turn on the evening news and you see the events of the world. You open your mail and you get your heating bill. You pull up to the uh, gas station, you try to put gas in your car. You think about your own levels of stress and anxiety. And I think people are saying, like I've never felt like just so wrung out. Like if you take a wet cloth and you turn it and you turn it and you turn it till no more water comes out. I mean, some people are saying to me, "Brett, that's exactly how I feel." And that exactly the reason for this series. Like, we don't, it's not gonna be like, oh, times are tough. Like, we know that. It's kind of what do we do about the tough times? So we're jumping right in to what I think is an important topic: it's emotional fatigue. What do you do when you're emotionally frazzled, when you're emotionally frayed and fatigued? I mean, notice I'm not talking about physical fatigue, there's a big, big difference between being physically tired and emotionally tired. When you're physically tired, all you need are a couple of days in Cancun. I mean, that's it. Like, you know, a couple nights sleep, somebody pat you on the head. I mean, you're good to go. Physical, you can take care of that. But sleep and rest will not address emotional fatigue. That's an inner kind of tired. I mean, how many of you know the difference between I'm tired, and that's physical, and I'm tired? I mean, how many, like there's a difference between the two, rung out from the inside out. What you need is a strategy to recharge your spiritual and your emotional batteries, and that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to look at solutions from God's Word. How do you keep going when you don't feel like going? Like when you say, I'm done, how do you end up not being done? I'm going to give you a couple of examples from the Scripture just to kind of frame the topic for a minute, and then we'll dive in with some real strategies together. The first uh, story is about Jesus, and you need to understand, like, you know, Jesus, Son of God, and there were a lot of people who loved Jesus and a lot of people who followed Jesus in the Scripture, but what we fail to understand is that most people were actually against Jesus. Like the crowds, like they loved the idea that he was this popular, like whatever, but at the end of the day, like the crowds were the one that yelled, crucify him. You need to know all through his ministry, people were criticizing him, people were condemning him, people were excluding him, people were trying to get him to stop teaching, they were trying to get him to stop doing miracles. Like, you know, people had demons, and he was like, Casting demons out of people. Like I don't even fully understand all that. But like Jesus was doing this cool stuff. of people were like, would you just knock it off? Some of it was because they were afraid of their own position in society. Like, if Jesus gets too popular, what will happen to our popularity? And they were threatened by Jesus. And others just didn't understand what he was about. And others thought that he was religiously uh, you know, committing blasphemy by aligning himself as God who's come to earth in the form of a human. I mean, people just really didn't understand. And I want you to see it from Jesus' perspective. Like, can you imagine waking up every day with that kind of unrelenting criticism? Waking up every day with the unrelenting pressure to teach the masses something new, unrelenting leadership challenges. And then finally, some people starting to say they wanted him dead. Sounds a lot like being a pastor to me. I don't know. I mean, there's some days it's like, dude, this is just a hard road. It got to the place where the king, like the king, not just like somebody said, I want you dead. The king said, I want him dead. King Herod. And if you don't stop, I'm going to kill you. And Jesus responded, I will keep on. I mean, I think that's all we need to say. Just these words. I will keep on. Say it with me. I will keep on. Jesus like, I'm going to drive out demons. I'm going to heal people. And look what he's going to do it. I'm going to do it today. And I'm going to do it tomorrow. And I'm going to do it the next day. And then I'll reach my goal, which is to do these things. In any case, say it with me, I keep going. Jesus had to be emotionally wrung out. And yet there was something in his core that allowed him to continue. That's example number one. Let me give you a second example. And this guy actually is a pastor. His name is Paul. He's a teacher of Christianity. He's one of the early leaders in Christianity. And he also had challenges, and then he made a particular decision about that. So check this out. Here's what this pastor said. We're hard-pressed on every side by troubles. In other words, wherever I turn, every side. I look this way, up trouble. This way, trouble. That way, trouble. Everywhere you look, trouble. I'm surrounded by trouble, but not crushed. Huh. Not broken. Huh. We're perplexed. Yeah, me too. But we don't give up and quit. Huh. Hunted down. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I wonder if anybody in here, I probably don't want to know if you've ever been hunted down, but like (laughs) hunted down, hunted down. But he didn't feel abandoned by God. I mean, this is huge. Yes, we get knocked down. Yes, we do. But we get up again, and we keep going. Jesus and Paul both use the same phrase, we keep going. It raises the question for me, like, how? Now, the easy answer, well, you know, God helped us. Okay, I believe that. I think they would say that, but I don't think it's all they'd say. And it's kind of the, like, knee-jerk answer, because I think we can dive deeper and find out how we, like Jesus, like Paul, can keep going, like what are the tactics to get through the tough time of emotional depletion. So we're going to jump right in. If you've got your page in front of you, you can kind of see where I am. You can see how close I am to finishing. We got a while to go. Here we go. (laughs) Here we go. We start here. First, I admit my feelings to God. I admit my feelings to God. That's the starting point. We start out by honestly telling God what we're feeling. Like, here's what some people I think do. I think we tell God what we think he wants to hear. Like, you know, God, it's kind of tough, but I've got faith. You know, God, I think yeah, I got my—I yeah, thought about quitting, but don't worry, God, I'm in. Like I think we sort of pull back from just saying, "I am just done. I don't—I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. I can't do this anymore." I'm not sure how honest to God we are, but yet we look at these examples of people in the Scriptures, and we see men and women throughout the Bible who just. Pour their hearts out to God like raw honesty. I mean, they're frustrated, they tell God. They're exhausted, they tell God. They feel like they can't go on, they're talking to God. They feel like they're under attack, guess what? They tell God about it. They're discouraged, they're overwhelmed, again, they're talking to God about it. You see that? Wait a minute, Brad. Like, are you sure? Are you sure that it's okay? To just kind of emotionally, just emotionally just vomit and tell God every Like, can I be 100% honest with God about how I'm feeling? Like, can I just say anything that's on my mind to him about how I'm feeling? Well, let's see what the scriptures say. Look at this. Unload all your burdens Now, some of you have a pen, some of you don't. But if you do, I'd like you to circle unload. I'd like you to circle all. Unload all your burdens on him because he's concerned about you. Unload. The New Testament's written in the Greek language. Some of you know that. A little bit of it's written in Aramaic, mostly Greek. In the Greek language, the word unload just means to drop it that's what the word means. In other words, it doesn't mean throw this burden far from you because you don't have enough strength to. Like there is a word for throwing. It's not the word for throwing. This is the word for, I, I, I can't even hold it. I just, I, I just drop it. it. It's not a long way from you, but the good news is Jesus takes it, and he begins to carry it. Your responsibility is just to let it go and let it all go. How do you do that? You admit to God what you feel. Listen, we heal what we reveal. We heal what we reveal. We cannot heal what we what? Can't heal what we conceal. Say, Brad, I don't know. Like this, would be, like, this would be a different way of talking to God for me. Like, I... I've never really gone to God and just said, blah, this is it, buddy. I'm not holding anything. I've never done that. Well, let me give you a few little tips that I think will help you on your journey in becoming completely honest with God about your emotional state. Here's the first one. You just realize that God already knows every emotion I feel. God already knows every emotion I feel. Here's what the Bible says. The Lord gave each of us our mind so nothing can be hidden from him. If God gave us our mind, obviously then he knows what's on our mind. So you're never gonna go to God with something you feel and God's like, whoa, didn't see that coming. Oh, wow, that's a surprise. It's never gonna happen because he already knows what you feel. Here's the next one. God understands my feelings better than I do. That's what the scripture says. The Lord knows what's in everybody's mind and he, what? He understands. Listen, I don't understand everything I feel sometimes. Have you ever just like had a feeling you're either blah or you're maybe even up? And it's like, not sure Why? Don't know what's really going on here, but I just have these feelings that are a little confusing to me. That's never true for God. He always understands what you're feeling. He understands your emotions. Why? He's the one who gave them to you. All of your emotions came from God. And so he knows all about it. So he knows what you're feeling. He understands. He's like, I understand. I understand what you're feeling. Here's another one. God loves to listen to me. God loves to listen to me. Let's say that together. God loves to listen to me. That's good news for me. Karen will tell you, I have a lot to say. I'm just a person who has a lot of words, you know? I'm the chick in this relationship. Like, hey, I want to talk about my feelings and eat chocolate. I mean, that's me. You know, if a Hallmark movie happens to be on in the background, so be it. So be it. So when the scripture teaches us that God listens, like that's good news for someone like me because I can always talk to him. Look what the Bible says. I love the Lord because he listens. He listens to my prayers. He listens to me every time I call to him. What does that mean? It means that he can handle my complaints. If that's what my words are, he's listening. He knows, he understands, and he's listening. He can handle my frustrations. He can handle my anxiety. He can handle my depression. I can just talk to him about anything. He understands and he knows. That's why the Bible says the Lord is like a father to his children. But not just any father. He's a tender and compassionate father. I love that verse. See, as a father, and now as a grandfather, when my kids or grandkids talk to me, I just love that. But when they talk to me about deep things, like things going on with them, I love that more. And if me, a frail, human, flawed man, loves that with my kids, how much more does God love it with His kids? These are all the reasons why we can just tell God how we feel. I mean, if you need to emotionally refill your tank, this is where you start. Just honestly, don't hold anything back. Say it any way you need to say it. Just tell God how you feel. That sets you up for this next one. Then you humbly ask God for strength. You humbly ask God for strength. Now, that sounds easy. This is actually harder than it seems, and I'll tell you why. Because this isn't what we do. We usually tell God that we need His strength after we've tried to fix it. After we've tried to solve it. After we've tried to chase it down. After we've tried to ponder it, resolve it, and handle it on our own. Like usually when we come to God for help is when we're crawling to God because we are completely exhausted now from trying it our way. Now, I've done this. I just wonder if I'm alone. Has anybody else done it that way? Like, it's like prayer is not my first, like asking God for help is not my first, like me trying to do it by myself, like first knee-jerk reaction. Pride keeps us from turning to God for help. It's humility that brings us into the presence of God quickly. We're invited. Look at this scripture. We're invited to look to the Lord and to his strength. I mean, that's pretty clear. I'm not supposed to look in the mirror for my strength. I'm not supposed to look to the universe for my strength. I'm not supposed to look to a best friend, a girlfriend, a boyfriend. I'm not supposed to look to another human for my inner strength. I'm supposed to look to the Lord. If God is the real source of your strength for your life, for your emotional, spiritual, internal world, do you think you should just ask him like once a week for help? Or do you think it might be beneficial if you're talking to him all through your day And all through the circumstances of your day, all through the needs of your day, and just asking for strength all day long, over and over again. God, I'm going into this meeting. It's really a significant meeting. Like, this could make a difference for my future. Lord, I need your strength. Lord, i got to have this talk with my kid. My kid's kind of stepping out of bounds on some stuff. And every time we talk, we fight. And I'm not sure I'm doing this right. But God, I need your strength. God, I got this thing with a boss, I mean, the thing with a boss, and I just, you know, I need some favor here. God, I need your strength. Do you see how that could help you if you were to go through the day? Like, over 20 times in the New Testament, like the Christian scriptures of our Bible, over 20 times, we're actually commanded to ask God for help? Like, it shows up when we don't. Like, if we're emotionally depleted, I'll tell you one of the ways you can, you can tell that that's going on with you. A primary symptom of emotional fatigue is actually sleeplessness. Now, I don't know how many of you would think the opposite. Like, that's counterintuitive to me. I think, man, if I'm emotionally, you know, depleted, all I want to do is crawl under the covers and go to sleep. Here's the problem. You want to crawl under the covers and go to sleep, but you can't. Because it's just turning and turning. It's churning and churning, and it keeps you awake through the night. Scientific studies have confirmed that the more depleted you are emotionally, the harder it is for you to get to sleep and the harder it is for you to stay asleep. So what do you do on those sleepless nights? Count sheep? Not a bad idea. Here's the thing. What if you conclude that I'm awake, And God's awake why don't we hang out why don't we just talk and it doesn't have to be all negative you can talk to him about anything through your night look at this beautiful scripture when I pray you answer me and you encourage me that's what we're needing you encourage me by giving me what the strength I need so let's just review for a minute. I need strength to keep going. You do, I do. You're going to need strength to keep going this week. So what are you going to do? First, you're going to tell God honestly how you're feeling. Second, you're going to ask for God's help, like you need his strength. Let me give you another one. Thank God for all that's good despite all that's bad. All that's good despite all that's bad cuz here here's a choice that's kind of laid out before us through our life. Every day we have this choice. We get to choose what we focus on. We get to choose what we emphasize. We get to choose what we're thinking about. And we can choose to just sit in our stew. We can choose to stay in the problem. We can choose to just look at that right there. We can. We can. Or we can also choose is there any good in this? Because I'd rather look at the good, think about the good, than to just sit in the bad. Let me give you this principle. Here's a scripture. Give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. Now, I, I just want you to know, I looked up the Greek word for all, and it's actually the English word for all. <laughs> yeah. It's not some circumstances. It's not half it's not the majority. Give thanks in all circumstances. Now, notice the distinction. It doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances. Somebody gets cancer, you don't give God thanks for that. Child gets hurt, you don't thank God for that. Something evil happens in our world, you don't thank God for that. It doesn't say give thanks for all. It says give thanks in all, which means in it, like there could be bad things we're not thankful for, but in it, we're lifting our head above and we're looking around for those things that are good, for where we do see God, for what he is doing in our life. And so in the middle of it, in it, not for it, but in it, I can still give thanks. Does this make sense to you? Like we talked about the science of sleeplessness. There's a science related to gratitude. Like grateful humans tend to be the emotionally healthiest people in society. Like they do studies like, gosh, these people are so put together. These people just seem to, you know, do really, really well in their relationships, in their outlook, how they navigate life. And then they study these people and what they find are common uh, commonality. And the one commonality is they're all grateful. Like, it's just one of the things. Like, if you need a tactic, if you need a tactic to really raise your emotional life to another level, you need to get healthier in your emotional space, you need to get refilled in your emotional space. Like, if there's one thing you could do that would begin to change your life today, it'd be sit down for five minutes and contemplate what you're grateful for. Every day, what if you did that? Five minutes. This is what God's doing in my life. This is what I've seen God do. This is what is good in my life. These are the things that, you know what? I was so focused over here. I'd lost sight of that, but now I'm I'm back. I'm, I'm back on track. Give you a little exercise you can do. You can begin to thank God for who he is, and you can begin to thank God for what he's done. Like when we thank God for who He is, that's called praise. And when we thank God for what He's done, that's called thanksgiving. And we're called as the people of God to offer Him our praise and our thanksgiving. And there is a word that actually combines when we praise God and when we thank God, and it's the word worship. Have you ever wondered why we sing songs in church? Like some people say, you know, Brad, I just don't want to come during the music part. I just come in at the end because, you know, music. I'm just not into music. It's not about that. The songwriters actually pen, they actually write out some things about God that we want to say thank you for. God, I'm so grateful that this is who you are. Like you're a good, good father, one of the songs we sing. Or you're faithful, it's one of the songs we sing. It also helps us give words to the things we're thankful for. His provision, our salvation, His presence in our lives, the way He responds to our prayers. Like, that's what the songs do. Like, you miss that part, you're missing the chance to become a grateful person. You're missing the practice of thanking God for who He is, praise, and thanking God for what he's done, which is thanksgiving. That's why worship's essential in your life. I can't tell you how many of you have ever had this kind of experience. I've had this kind of experience where, like, I've just got this, you know, I don't know, attitude. I can get an attitude. Want to see it? No, you don't. No, you don't. (laughs) But it's like, it's kind of like the guy who woke up one Sunday morning, and, and he said, I'm not going to church. And his mom said, "Yes, you are." And he says, "I don't want to go." And she says, "Why?" He says, "I don't like it and those people over there don't like me." And she said, "You're the pastor and you're going." I mean, that's just that's just the way it is. You got to go to church. You got to go to church. There's some Sunday mornings, I'm telling you, I love y'all. I love y'all. I love all y'all. But there's some Sunday mornings I want to be a holy roller, you know, roll over, go back to sleep. That's what I want to do. I did, it's like I'm not in the mood. Inevitably, I show up and I listen and then soon I find myself singing along and something lifts in my heart. Like there's a connection between this whole gratitude thing, this whole praise God for who He is, and thank God for what He's done. There's something about that. It's like a mind-spirit connection. And when we tap into gratitude, we're doing something to our emotional presence. Look what King David said. So here I am in the place of worship, eyes open, drinking in your strength. Drinking in your strength. Look at the next verse. Those who worship God will be what? Will be encouraged. Look at this quote. The bigger God gets in my vision, the smaller my problems get. Does this make sense? We choose what we look at. So we come in, we worship, it lifts our spirit, it fills our tank, it gets our perspective right again. And then there's one more. Let me give you one more. Then we just stay focused on God. Now, this is huge. This is huge. Because I just talked about you come to church, you worship, and that's why. But in this new year, we've talked about something, and I've mentioned it several times in every message so far this year, and it's about having a walk with Jesus. And we've talked about what it means to have a daily relationship with Jesus. We've talked about how you talk to God and listen to God all through your day. You have this ongoing, growing relationship with Jesus. And i got to tell you, having a daily, all-day walk with Jesus, this is how we stay focused On Jesus, listen, if you just squeeze Jesus in to an hour on Sunday, you just limit him to an hour on Sunday, and then you just go on with your week with very little thought about him. First of all, could you ever really have a relationship with someone on those terms? And the answer is no. But important for our topic today, you should never expect that your batteries will get recharged if all you do is plug in for just an hour on Sunday. Like the relationship with Jesus is supposed to be an ongoing, all-day reality in our lives. That's how you stay charged. Here's what the Scripture says. We must focus on Jesus, the source and goal of our faith. Now, before we get to this next sentence, I have to give you some context. Before what it says about Jesus, you need to know the writer here is getting ready to tell us how Jesus faced crucifixion. That's the whole context of this section of scripture. How he faced crucifixion and then anticipated resurrection. So then it says, Jesus, he saw the joy ahead of him. Now, that Verse, those verses are chock full of spiritual truth. But I want to mention a couple things. Like it tells us how Jesus was able to keep strong even through the pain and the shame and humiliation of crucifixion. And it's because of what he focused on. He didn't glance, he focused. On this, He wasn't focused on his current pain, though he had pain. He wasn't focused on his current stress, though he had a ton. He wasn't focused on the difficulties, though it was so difficult. Or the criticisms, people were so critical. He wasn't focused on that. He was focused on the joy that was ahead of him. Future joy. I posted something on social media this week that said... God is saying, you see what I carry you through, wait until you see what I carry you to. We get so focused on what we're going through that we don't keep our chin up and see where we're going to. And like I'm telling you, if heads down and we just lose hope because everything around us looks hopeless, generally the hope isn't found here. Generally, hope is a future concept. It's something that's coming. Like hope, realize that's present. But just hope, that's future. So we lift our eyes and we look ahead. Listen, if you only face your life with a short-term perspective of what's just going on around you right now, I don't give you a snowball's chance of emotionally doing well in life. Because often what's going on right now is crushing. And what we have to do in those moments is keep our focus right. Like I'm not going to allow the gravity of this to make my vision drop. I'm keeping my head up and I'm looking at what God's going to do in my future. Jesus is going ahead of us. And so if we keep our eyes on Jesus, he's not just going to help us through. He's going to take us too. Is that good news? That's some good news. I want to ask you a question. What do you think about the most these days? Like if I were to ask you, where where is your focus? Would you say, you know, Brad, generally I think mostly about the stuff I'm worried about. Mostly I think about this problem that I'm facing. Mostly I think about the stress that I'm under because of this, that, or the other thing. Mostly I'm just kind of stuck in my own little, you know, stuff. And that's, I think that's mainly what I focus on. That's why we get out of gas. That's why we empty out emotionally. Because our answer is not going to be in the problem. Our answer is going to be in the problem solver. That's why I'm actually doing this whole series. Because I want to pray for all of us. Like to finish well. I want us all to do this marathon called life without getting sidelined or falling into a ditch. And so I want to end today with a prayer that's actually found in the scriptures. But it's my prayer for you. And here it is. We're praying that you will be filled with all God's mighty, glorious strength. Isn't that a beautiful prayer? That you will be filled with all God's mighty, glorious strength. My prayer for you as you go through this week. Let's pray together. As you're allowing the truth of God's Word to just settle in your mind and your heart, let me ask you a question. Do you really want His filling, His strength for today? And if you do, then I want you to pray this with me. You don't have to say it out loud, but in your heart, just repeat this prayer after me. Dear God, you know I'm tired. And you know how many times I feel empty. I feel like I don't have what it takes to keep going. And honestly, there are times I feel like giving up. I need your power in my life. I want your presence in my life. I know you're a good father. I know you love me. Thank you for that. Jesus Christ, please, put the spirit of your peace in my troubled heart. I'll keep my eyes focused on you because you're the one my help comes from. I can't do it on my own. I humbly ask you for strength today. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.